Hello and welcome, vegan savages, to another episode of the V Games podcast. Robbie and I just had a lovely chat offline because I forgot to uh, turn on my microphone. I'm sorry, Robbie. It's all good, man. No worries. Okay, <clears throat> so Robbie is my guest. Today is Robbie's birthday. Happy yes. birthday, Robbie. Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. So, guys, say happy birthday. Go to his Instagram. Say happy birthday. We're in your beautiful home in Santa Monica next to your out of this world something i've never seen before fruit stand if you haven't watched the vlog then go to his instagram and check it out right now it's the best as as it gets because he just went to the market that's like right 5 a.m that's right crazy you quickly like we talked about yes this. for sure no, no quickly so the wholesale markets are available in every major city so i live in la or santa monica like la county so there's a wholesale market in Los Angeles. There's a wholesale market in New York. Those are two of the best ones in the entire world, as far as I know. There's wholesale markets in Minneapolis, in Atlanta, in Miami, in Houston. Um, I've been to one in Maryland. They're all over the place. I've been to one in Dallas. Not all of them are as big as the one that I have access to, but the major benefits of wholesale shopping is that number one, you can save money so when you buy by the case you're going to save roughly 50 percent on anything and sometimes you get even more special deals because when you're buying at the wholesale market something that's even moderately ripe they think that they can't sell because they're a whole step removed from the customer so they can't really give ripe stuff to the grocery store so you can get bananas that are in perfect shape for very cheap so today i bought 40 pounds of bananas for 15 dollars you, I also saw another box that was ripe organic bananas, mine are organic as well, and they were $4. That's 40 pounds of bananas for $4. For the entire box. For the entire box. And this crazy. will happen regularly. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen for every fruit, but it happens regularly. I mean, organic bell peppers, I'm paying, you know, I got 11 pounds for uh, like $14. So it's like a little over a dollar a pound. Whereas at Whole Foods, it's like 4 or $5 a pound. You get these... You know, berries. You save big on berries. You can buy a box of 12 cartons of berries for $12, like a dollar a carton. You go to Whole Foods, that one carton is $5. So yeah. it's consistently across the board. You will always save money by buying in bulk. It's fun to do it with friends. So you can just split cases. And it's a good community thing. You can kind of start a co-op around it. I've heard of other people doing that. So that's one benefit. And then also, you get more options. You get to choose from a lot of different you know, farms or brands that make certain produce items. So in particular, mangoes, there's a lot of different companies and not all of them are very good. They pick them too early. The farm maybe wasn't that great. And when you buy just at the grocery store, unfortunately, you're at the mercy of the produce manager. Whatever they decided to buy, which they just bought off a piece of paper, not necessarily because they got to actually go and touch it and see it. They just bought it from, you know, their major distributor. Whereas when I go to the market, I get to look at them, I get to cut them open, I get to taste them, I get to smell them, and I get to pick the mangoes that are going to be the best. So today I bought seven different brands because I wanted to test and see which ones are the best right now, and then I'll know what to buy more of next week. Mm -hmm. And how often do you do that? Once per week? When, uh, once or uh, two to four, like every other week. Every so other week. So in this winter, I go every week. In the summer, I go every other week. Because in the summer, I'm starting to get a lot more fruit from the farmer's markets. Mm, so stone yeah. fruit comes into season. Figs come into season. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to buy as many calorie-providing foods at the wholesale market as I do right now in the winter. So wholesale market, if you live in New York or in LA. Yes. And if you don't live at these places, then you check out the site. Um, yeah, Google. Just Google wholesale produce near and insert your city. And you'll find something. Because you got to remember yeah. And, and you could start talking to your produce manager. Like, ask your produce manager where they get their food from. That's, that's the distributor. So mm -hmm. if you go to your local natural grocery store where people buy their produce, ask that manager where they're buying their stuff, and then call them up. And if you need to, like, you could say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a co-op. Can you send me your price list so I can share it with my friends? That's mm -hmm. a great trick for them <laughs> to give you the price list and understand what's going on here. And, you know, and you can do that with sincerity because maybe you are going to start a co-op if the price is right. All right. Good to know. And um, the reason why we're talking about fruit, why you eat so much fruit, because you unfortunately have type 1 diabetic. But uh, as I like to say, circumstances don't matter. Only state of being matters. 
you have the circumstance, you have type 1 diabetes, um, which sucks, but you make the best out of it and uh, thrive on it and not even that, you are teaching so many people out there how to do the same, either a whole food plant-based diet and um, reverse type 2 diabetes or just thrive on type 1 diabetes and that is so great and it even gave you purpose so yes. you just took the circumstance which just sucks by default and making so the best out of it and it makes me super happy to see that thank you man and um i asked my community on instagram for questions and i got so many questions so i don't even have questions of my own i just have questions from my community but first shall we set the baseline yeah, of sure. understanding that first of all we don't lose listeners how important this issue is because i don't suffer type one or type two diabetes, why should I care? I care because I have friends who have that, so I care. And you listening, you have probably friends as well because, tell me the numbers. The numbers are massive. So there are several different forms of diabetes. Most people, when they think of diabetes, they're talking about either pre-diabetes or type two diabetes. So this is a state where your pancreas is producing plenty of insulin and your body is not using it properly. Okay, you're living with insulin resistance. That is the cause of pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes, and we'll go into that further. The other forms of diabetes are type 1 and type 1.5. So these are versions of diabetes where your pancreas is not producing sufficient quantities of insulin anymore. We don't know the exact cause. Like we talked about earlier, dairy is linked to an increase, um, increasing numbers of type 1 diabetes, uh, increasing beta cell damage. So People living with type 1, type 1.5, we're required to inject insulin in order to manage our blood glucose levels. And our goal is to inject the same amount of insulin that our pancreas would have normally secreted before it was damaged. That's a goal. So follow a healthy diet and only inject an appropriate amount. And people living with pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes, the goal really is to completely get off medications in as many cases as possible. Sometimes people are living with type 2 diabetes and their pancreas has been exhausted so in that case, they've been living with it for a long time. Their pancreas is continuing to produce more and more insulin to compensate for insulin resistance. The beta cells get exhausted, and then now they don't produce enough of their own insulin and sometimes need to inject insulin as well. So again, After we talk about decades, right? So yeah. if you have diabetes type 2 for decades, yeah. then you might not be able to reverse this. That's right. But if you're pre-diabetic or early stages of diabetic type 2, I will chance. say that pre-diabetes is 100% reversible. No questions asked. Yes. It's in your hands. And the majority of type 2 is also 100% reversible. And you can set your expectations by going and getting a C-peptide test. And a C-peptide test will tell you how much insulin your pancreas is still producing. When you have that information, you can decide, okay, what are my goals now? If you see your C-peptide is very low, it's like, okay. My pancreas is damaged, it's struggling, I'm gonna recalibrate my goals. Most people will see their pancreas is producing plenty of insulin and the goal is to get off medication. And in this podcast, you will hear the cure about yes. type two diabetes. But first, the numbers, why is it so yeah. important? How There's many people suffer? Over 110 million people in the US alone are living with either some form of diabetes. Million. Over 80 million are living with pre-diabetes and they don't even know it. Uh, 80 million? Yes. And they don't even know. Over 80 million. That is so insane. So altogether, what did you say? 100 Over 110 million. That is like one third of the United yes. States. So it most likely is that someone in your family suffers some form of diabetes. Somebody you know, somebody you love, somebody so you work with. That's how affected. important this issue is. And yeah. it is great that the majority of type 2 diabetes, we can reverse. Yes. We can get people off medication yes. and live healthily again. Yeah. So, shall we talk about the cure? Yeah, so let's talk about the cure okay. for pre-diabetes so. and type 2 diabetes. So again, the cause is insulin resistance. So what is insulin resistance? That is when your body is struggling to take glucose out of your bloodstream into your cells, primary muscle and liver cells. So that is insulin resistance. Glucose is getting trapped in your bloodstream. Your body cannot successfully take it out of the bloodstream into your cells. The reason that's happening, the cause of insulin resistance, the primary cause is there is too much fat stored inside muscle and liver tissue, intramyocellular lipid. Too much fat is messing up the signaling. Insulin is not allowed to open the door and let glucose into your cells. That's what's happening. So when you adopt a low fat plant-based whole food diet, 
you begin to reduce these fat stores, you're not eating foods that's gonna to lead to even more fat stores, and you begin optimizing your insulin sensitivity. It truly is that simple, and research dating back to the 1920s has demonstrated this over and over and over again, decade after decade, people who follow a low-fat plant-based whole food diet can reverse insulin resistance, get off diabetes medications, and societies, groups of people who naturally live that way, don't develop diabetes. So this is very clear in the research. Okay, let me summarize, and you interrupt me when I talk BS. <laughs> so type 2 diabetes, what most people have, is uh, you don't get born this way, it's by lifestyle choices, and when people eat um, a lots of fatty animal products over decades, just uh, you develop type 2 diabetes where basically fat seals the cells. So you have the insulin in your blood, but this, the insulin just cannot get in the cell anymore. It's like the insulin is the key and the cell is the lock and the lock is sealed by just fat. Yeah, it's not that the insulin can't get in, it's that the insulin can't open the door. Yes, yeah. So the glucose can get in. Yes, like this. Yeah. Um, and we need to get rid of this fat which is sealing the, the cells. So that's why whole foods, plant-based, low-fat diet, a low-fat diet that the fat dissolves and the insulin can get in. And thus you can be cured from type 2 diabetes. And um, that is type 2 diabetes and type 1. Unfortunately, we don't know how to cure it. We are not exactly sure where it comes from. Often it's when you're a child. Most often, yes. And as Older people are getting diagnosed, but yeah, yes. It's crazy. And as you said, it might be linked to yes. milk. As yes. Dr. Michael Craig also made a video about it. And as you, like uh, to take an anecdote, you have two brothers, two of you who both got fed dairy milk, both developed type 1 diabetic, right. and your other brother who yeah. got fed the breast milk. That's right. The first brother who was breastfed the longest uh, did not develop type 1 diabetes. Case closed. Only one yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's an it's, anecdote. Yeah, for sure. Even for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, keep breast it. is best if you can breastfeed. Breast yes. Feed. Just, just another. Uh, even if it's just a link, we're not sure. Just stay away from dairy. It's scary. Um, so and um, so that yeah, you said it. That's the cure for type two diabetes: a low-fat diet. So that's why low-fat to get the fat around the cells dissolves at the insulin. The insulin mm. is there. Just cannot get in. Hundred percent. And thus. You said it, pre-diabetic, 100%, 100%, no question. Early stages, uh, you can also cure it. Yes. And now, for people like yourself, you thrive on type 1 diabetic, where we don't have a cure yet. Yeah. That's right. What do you recommend to people so, who suffer that? My own personal experience was very enlightening. So over 12 years ago, I transitioned to a low-fat, plant-based whole food diet. Prior to that, I tried several different diets. The one that's most notable is a low-carbohydrate, ketogenic, plant-based diet. So it was a Gabriel Cousins-style diet, phase one, where I was eating lots of greens, lots of nuts and seeds, and oil. That's where I was getting most of my calories. And when I was doing that diet, I would eat about 30 grams of carbohydrate per day and inject about 10 units of insulin per day. So it's 30 like three to one. That's not <laughs> It's crazy. And for how long did you do that? I did that for about a month. Okay. Good. And then I was, I felt terrible. Like that's what happened. I, I felt terrible. I didn't have energy. So I'm like, man, I got to continue to look for solutions. And so a three to one, 24 hour insulin sensitivity ratio right there. So you take total grams of carbohydrate divided by insulin, you get your 24 hour insulin sensitivity ratio. So as I transitioned to a low fat plant-based whole food diet in December of 2006, I saw my insulin sensitivity climb dramatically. And now I'm at a 700, I eat 750 grams of carbohydrate per day and inject about 34 units of total insulin. And a normal healthy human pancreas secretes roughly between 30 and 50 units of insulin. So I'm at a healthy, normal number of insulin usage that I'm injecting and I'm eating way more carbohydrate than the people who are calculating those numbers. So I'm even showing increased insulin sensitivity there. But the bottom line is, you take 750, divide that by 34, now we're talking 22 to one ratio. This is a 600% increase in insulin sensitivity. And the moment I experienced that in my own body, I knew that if I could teach this to other people living with pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes, they can completely get rid of their ailment. And other people living with type 1, we can optimize our diabetes health and reduce our chances of all the diseases that are linked to people living with diabetes. 
heart disease being number one, the number one killer of all people living with diabetes, type one, type two, type 1.5, prediabetes, doesn't matter, is heart disease. So if we can reverse insulin resistance, which is a major risk factor for heart disease, fatty liver disease, PCOS, erectile dysfunction, chronic kidney disease, the list goes on. We can basically eliminate that, not eliminate, but reduce our risk for that long list of conditions. So again, living with type one, we don't know how to get off of insulin. We don't know how to solve that problem, but we can live a very high quality life. We can have excellent predictable blood glucose management. We can reduce our risk of these chronic diseases, the actual diseases that kill us. High blood glucose does not kill us. So there's a big fixation on blood glucose and A1C in the diabetes world, and they're not seeing the bigger picture. And that's where a lot of the keto confusion comes in. But the bottom line is type one, people living with type one, we want to follow a nutrient dense diet that reduces our chances of all these chronic diseases and just live a high quality life. Well said. So now we got the baseline settled, people understand, and now we jump into questions. Let's do it. All right. Um, that's a good question. And oh yeah, I said it, that these are all follow-up questions. Um, why did you decide to go vegan? Okay, so I was a college student at the University of Florida. This is around September 2006. And I was on a forum at the time, you know, there wasn't Instagram, stuff like that. I was just on a forum talking about green living. You know, there's like bamboo tables and nice couches and all this stuff. And I was like, just intrigued. Like there was this website called, I think it's called Tree Hugger, which I think is still around. Anyways, they would talk about a lot of this stuff. And I was on the forum and the nutrition component was a bunch of people following a raw food diet, a high fat gourmet raw food diet. And I was explaining to them why eating raw dairy was so important because they were vegan. I'm like, you guys are missing out. Like, look at this information because I was part of the Weston A. Price Foundation at the time. And they were teaching, you know, about the importance of raw dairy and grass-fed beef. And I was educating them on my opinion. And they were very nice. They said, hey, have you seen Earthlings? Like, hey, just check this out. So I'm a college student, freshman at University of Florida. I go and watch the video for free on Google Video. I've since bought the DVD to support Sean Monson. And I couldn't believe what I saw. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm a well-educated college student. I'm top of my class. It was difficult to get into this university. How do I not know this? Like, how in the world has this been kept from me? And it really affected me. So I went back to the forum and my mind was opened up. I was like, okay, well, send me your books about nutrition. Like, you've opened my mind. You guys know something that I don't know. So that got me into the raw food world, which was a big deal back then. It's kind of faded. And then that ended up getting me to finding uh, the fruit-based diet. And so that was it. It was earthlings that planted the seed of like, okay, let me go learn more. And I got into the nutrition-based evidence right away. So in college, I was making videos about Neil Barnard's work and uh, James, uh, James Anderson from the University of Kentucky. He has a famous study in 1979, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. He saw people reversing type 2 diabetes in 21 days. People taking insulin, getting off insulin in 21 days on a high-carbohydrate diet. And... It just made sense. I mean, the research was there. The results were happening in my own body. So there it is. I became vegan overnight. Like never, never gone back, never changed and started learning more and more. And now like I don't have any, there's no clothing in my closet that comes from animals. Like um, I'm aware of all that stuff and, and do absolutely the best I can. That's crazy. The, the most important quality is to stay open-minded yeah. because then you're open to watching something like that. And then Going land-based is just a logical decision. It's just win-win-win, whether for the environment, the animals, and your health. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, but just people need to be open-minded. So if you're listening and uh, you have someone in your family or yourself, you're like, well, why should I go vegan? Nowadays, it's not Earthlings, it's Dominions. There you go. Go watch Dominions. Okay, these questions are totally random. Um, so what do you eat, drink when you have low sugar? What do you think uh, the healthiest option is? Okay, so I think whole fruit is still the healthiest option. So a date, you know, a big medjool date, a banana, you know, half an apple or mango, any fruit, berries, doesn't matter. Just uh, pick what you You can do juice too. Juice will work quicker. So if you have access to it, but it's hard to get fresh juice when you're low. Mm -hmm. Like when you're low, like 
you don't have time to go squeeze some orange juice. You have to get mm-hmm. something in right away. Yeah. So it's really better to just rely on whole fruit. Where can I find the best research to convince my mother-in-law that plant-based is the best for diabetes? I'll tell you. Simply <laughs> Google insulin resistance diet. Literally Google that phrase, insulin resistance diet, and you will see a video that my partner at Mastering Diabetes made, Cyrus Kambada, and it's a lecture that he gave at the Torrance Memorial Center about two years ago now. It has well over a million views on YouTube. It's very popular. It impacted a lot of lives, and he covers the, the science and the nutritional you know, biochemistry angle of insulin resistance and then why a low-fat plant-based food diet is the solution. So that's your answer. I'm telling you, it's the best resource on this topic. And then once you, get into, once you learn about that, then we have a lot more resources on the Mastering Diabetes website, just masteringdiabetes.org. But start with that video. Crazy how many views that got. Yeah. Imagine it's getting like 2,000 new views a day. Imagine how many people uh, um, got help through this video. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if that is true, but why he doesn't eat so many dates and uh, why he eats so many times a day. Okay, so... I don't eat as much dates because I have access and prefer to eat water-rich whole foods. Dates are technically a whole food, but they're still much lower in water content. Roughly 30% of water content. Because how we eat them mostly is dried. So yeah. you could also eat but fresh dates, but here for sure. what we're talking Even about Even the fresh dried. ones I get at the farmer's market, they're still lower in water content than okay. eating I actually never had them. Yeah. No, you should go. The, the Wednesday farmer's market. Which tomorrow, man. How do they even look like? Let's go tomorrow. I'll show you. (laughs) Um, How do they look like? They look just like the regular dates. But bigger? Yeah, yeah, you can talk to the farmer. He'll explain everything to you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. So anyways, um, and I eat four times a day. I eat breakfast, I eat lunch, I eat a pre-dinner, and I eat dinner. That's not much. I eat breakfast, a second breakfast, a snack, (laughs) a lunch, (laughs) another snack, another (laughs) snack. Okay. Um... <clears throat> when you have been diagnosed and uh, when did you go vegan? So, yes, yeah, so I was diagnosed. Yep, yeah, 2006. No, so no, 2016 you went vegan, so you already. No, 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 2006. So like, oh, you said 2006. 2006. Yeah, I've been doing this for 12 plus years, bro. I understand. <laughs> before there was any movies, before there was Instagram. No, 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 no. No, because I was like thinking. <laughs> I'm an OG. <laughs> I was thinking like Instagram 2006. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, 2006. Okay. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2000. So over 19 years, I've been living with type 1 diabetes. And over 12 years, I've been eating a low-fat plant-based whole food diet. Wow. Good for you. And if people, and again, I, I know this question might come up, but people are a um, little bit scared about um, eating, eating enough fat on a low-fat plant-based whole food diet and their omega-3 profile. So we just did a, uh, our third annual Mastering Diabetes Online Summit. And one of our doctors, Dr. Rick Dina, he is a specialist when it comes to analyzing fatty acid profiles and looking at blood work. So he analyzed my fatty acid profile and Cyrus's anti, uh, fatty acid profile. So Cyrus is the, the co-founder of Mastering Diabetes. And so we both had our profile analyzed and we both follow very low fat diets for many years. He's been doing it for over 15 years, me for over 12. And he saw that our fatty acid profile was outstanding, like as good as it gets. And we've shared it with other plant-based doctors and many of them have never seen numbers that good before. And even after giving their, medic- their patients uh, supplements or having them eat more chia seeds, eat more flax, they still haven't. So. This is a whole other separate conversation, but I want to, if anybody listening is intrigued by that topic and wants to make sure that, you know, long-term low-fat diet is good, it's like an N of two, but um, Dr. Rick Dina talks about this in the interview and you can see our our blood work and you can figure that out, but the bottom line is, the take-home message, is if you want to have a healthy fatty acid profile, if you want your body to create EPA and DHA, the key is to not consume too much omega-6 fatty acids. That's the key. It's not about eating more omega-3s. People are eating too many omega-6s, which is inhibiting the conversion. The same enzyme, delta-60 saturase, is responsible for converting the essential fatty acids, linoleic acid and alpha-linoleic acid, into you know, starting that chain of cascade of going, converting into longer chain fatty acids. So it's the same enzyme. When you have too much omega-6, 
your body prefers the omega-6 pathway, it'll take care of those first, and you don't have enough of the enzyme to take care of the omega-3 side. That is the main problem when it comes to this. And it's a very big topic. It's happening a lot in our world, uh, in the vegan world, and people eating too much junk food, too many oils. Yeah. It's hurting their fatty acid profile. And it's, the ratio is just like so out of proportion. Yes. Especially often vegans have like 1 to 20 or something right. because the vegetable oils yeah. are just have like, for example, what most products use is sunflower oil and sunflower oil is like one to three hundred something that's an, an oil because it's so dense it's just you just get so quickly out of proportion yeah. um uh, that's why if i buy hummus or something i um I, I basically buy nothing with sunflower oil because it's so crazy i buy something that has like um uh canola oil or something where it's like one to four mm. so a much better ratio uh, but yeah, that, that's a big one that yeah. people just overconsume omega six. So your omega six to omega three ratio is perfect. Yeah, you said? I have to check. I remember what it was, but I think it was uh, like two to one or something like that. Two but, to but one. But the key really? was wow. The number, the key thing was that the test establishes how like your omega three index, and yeah. most people are you know if you're like two percent, three percent, it's very problematic. Me and Cyrus, I think I was like eight percent, and Cyrus was seven percent. It's very, very high compared to what you know most people are. Yeah. So ideally, it's a ratio of one to one. That's really basically unachievable. So uh, what is recommended is a ratio up to one to five. But reality shows that most people are over that. Um, so what do you take for your omega threes? You take uh, flax seeds. I do nothing. I literally, in twelve years, I don't consume any chia seeds. I don't consume any flax seeds. I rarely ever eat nuts and seeds. And I occasionally eat avocado. But where, where does the omega-3 then come from? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> from plants. But you eat enough calories from whole plant foods, you'll meet your needs. Crazy. It's that simple. If people make nutrition so complicated, so reductionist, do all this crap, when it's so simple, just eat enough whole plant foods. If you eat enough calories, you don't need to micromanage or do all these calculations and adjustments just eat food keep it simple yeah but to be fair when you do eat out and uh then they use oil this and that and you just have so much omega-6 in your system and thus you need more omega-3 so thus i would recommend getting sources yeah i get i get that like you that is because many people that is um um they, they wouldn't do that you for know? sure exactly so that's that's a decision so if somebody if you decide like hey look I am not going to do it properly, then you can then find ways to try and compensate. Sure, people can do that. Like, yeah. But that's, 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 like, that's like, people have to own up to that fact that it's like, it's not the fault of the diet. It's not the fault of, you know, veganism or anything like that. It's people's choice to do an unhealthier version of it and then try and compensate. Yeah, but that's where we are. That's what most people totally. do. And it's true. Me, me included. So I, what I do, I take um, uh, algae oil, so yeah. omega-3. DHA and EPH coming from algae yeah. oil supplements <clears throat> to, to make sure to get the direct form that uh, the conversion of my body and I do for sure because I just eat a lot and yeah. I, I um, eat quite a lot of legumes like tofu there's quite a lot of yeah. omega-6 in it as mm -hmm. well so I do get omega-6 so to um, get enough yeah. omega-3 and the active form I just yeah. make sure to supplement yeah so I'm and, good and I wouldn't knock anybody who wants to like do an insurance policy like that's totally cool but I, in our coaching program, we're very adamant about objectifying decisions. So we encourage people to get the Omega Quant test. It can be, it's between 50 and $75, depending on which one you get. And just see, like, what is my Omega-3 index right now? And then decide, is it worth supplementing? Or decide, okay, you know, if the number is incorrect, you can decide, you know what, am I going to try and fix this with my diet and lifestyle? Or am I going to try and supplement and then get retested in four months? Because every four months, you'll get new red blood cells. And you can see what changes happen. So I think it's only available for people in America. But if you can, you should try and do it while you're here. It's just fascinating. I did. And I, I actually tested my omega-3 index recently uh -huh. to see where I'm at. And it's in the good ratio, but on the lower side. So What was your percentage of the omega-3s? Uh, um, uh, I did a video in German about that. Yeah. Um, was that some? Uh, I don't want to butcher the no, number. It's okay. But it's I just know that it was a good ratio, but a 
bit on the lower side yeah, of, of the good ratio for sure. uh, because I was just taking one capsule which is 250 microgram right. of omega uh, of DHA in yeah. UK, and now I um, triple the amount so yeah. I take three and we'll test it like in a month or two that's months that's fantastic again. it's a fascinating topic I'm glad you're and encouraging people to get tested yeah, I just I just uh, know how important it is and I just uh, uh, and I maybe try an experiment where I don't take um, algae oil a supplement mm -hmm. just eat my flax seeds and see where I'm naturally yeah. at and try to keep the omega-6 as low as possible. But like, you know, when I travel and like totally. in Bali, they just add oil so yeah. often you eat out and the tempeh, they have such good whole foods, but they just add oil so often for that. That's why I'm saying yeah. the practical lifestyle, like when you travel, it's often just, just unavoidable to yeah. get a bit more omega-6 than you need. And um, that's just for sure. Yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. All right. Anyway. Um, but that's, uh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, did you make a video like showing your blood work? We haven't done a video yet, but we wrote about it in our book that's coming out in early 2020. Okay. We probably should. Actually, no, I take that back. We did make a video. It's our, in our summit. Like our, so people can go to masteringdiabetes.org. They can click on the summit and they can see Rick, Dina, analyze our blood work. Huh. This is, it's not public yet. We're actually thinking that we should take that video out of the summit and publish an article so it's easily accessible. Mm -hmm. But uh, that hasn't happened yet. Well, wow, um, you don't I'll take flag seats or anything and have a, a ratio <laughs> like that? It blows people's minds. Um, yeah, I think the <laughs> omega-6 is a huge one if you just... No, it's, it's really like, again, you're making the valid point of like, what are people willing to do? But people like me and Cyrus are living examples of what is possible. Yes. We are both very, very disciplined. We follow this diet of whole food nutrition to a T consistently day after day for decades now combined. Yeah, and that's great to see that that is possible. Um, okay, hey Robbie, what is your go-to breakfast meal? So it's gonna be whatever fruit is in season. Mm -hmm. Right now it's mangoes. Um, if I will add sweet fruit to breakfast. So if you're eating a high fruit diet, food combining matters. So sweet fruit and acid fruits don't combine well so like bananas and oranges if you're eating large quantities is not going to go well together so i will stack my sweet fruit in the morning because i usually work out in the morning and eat a lot of calories there and then as the day goes on i'll move towards the sub acid you know much more leafy greens salads because it's a big part of our master diabetes program people spend the most energy in the morning and in the afternoon those should be the most calorie dense meals and then when you're going to bed, you know, and you're trying to optimize your fasting blood glucose reading, it's better to focus more on the leafy greens and less calorie-dense foods. So breakfast is going to include something like, you know, maybe bananas, maybe some dates in there, mangoes for sure. I eat mangoes pretty much year-round. When I figs see, are in season. They make up like half of your fruit, yes. right? It's just mangoes. Yes. They're just the best. Um, yeah. So whatever's in season, stone fruit, stuff like that. And I love that you have so many papayas. There are... I gave you some of those mangoes. Were they good? They were fantastic. Yeah, they were so good. Yeah. I added them uh, mm -hmm. to my to my porridge each each morning. It's perfect. Um. Oh. Yeah. Um. The first thing, the first thing a non-vegan diabetic can uh, do to change uh, to improve their diet. Step one is to just change breakfast. At Mastering Diabetes, we are all about celebrating progress. And just changing one meal at a time is a great way to get started. And there's also research coming out now that it's good for your microbiome because sometimes changing dramatically, you know, you know, overnight, sometimes can be a little bit too much for people's gut health. So just change breakfast. And the best way to do that is eat your favorite fruits. We do recommend as an insurance policy that people eat either ground flax seeds or ground chia seeds at breakfast just to ensure that they got their omega-3s. So do that. And, you know, maybe throw in some greens. And if you want beans for breakfast, if, whatever, like anything in the green light category. So we have our food broken up into green light, yellow light, and red light. Green light foods are fruits, starchy vegetables, legumes, intact whole grains, non-starchy vegetables, leafy greens, herbs and spices, and mushrooms. So the first four ingredients or foods are listed in a specific order. We want people to emphasize those carbohydrate-rich foods. Fruits like apples, pears, bananas, mangoes, you name it. Starchy vegetables, potatoes, yams, butternut squash. Legumes, we're talking beans, peas, lentils. 
intact whole grains, millets, farro, quinoa, all that stuff. Eat as much of those as your heart desires. It's very difficult to overeat them. They're full of water, they're full of fiber, and they will reverse insulin resistance. People with diabetes are scared of them. So they switch their diet, even when they choose to follow a plant-based diet. They're like, oh, you know what? I'm still, I'm still scared of the fruit. I don't wanna eat potatoes. And we have to teach them and hammer it into their brain that no, you've got to focus on those. Because if you don't, you're gonna get hungry. And you're gonna go back to a cheeseburger. And then you're gonna feel good again. It's like, because you got, finally got energy, because you got that more calorie dense meal. And that's a mistake. So those foods are listed in order because we want people to focus on them. And then non starchy vegetables, leafy greens, herbs and spices, mushrooms, those are just nutrient dense, very healthy foods, full of fiber. They're gonna help people manage their blood glucose. So, those are important. And um, so again, all those green light foods, eat them any time of day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, any combination, just go ahead. You'll find recipes on the internet, on our website, masteringdiabetes.org, forks over knives. I think you have a meal planner, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Find some recipes in there. Our foods, blend-based diet. Simple. Yellow light foods are foods that are to be eaten, uh, to be limited. They're healthy, they're whole foods, they're, they're plant-based but you just don't want to sit down as much as you can. These include things like nuts and seeds, coconut meat, avocados, olives, all whole plant foods, but they're higher in fat. Same thing with edamame. So edamame is the whole version of soy. You can also have tofu and tempeh, but the most whole form of soy is edamame. And that is about 40% of calories coming from fat. So that's not going to be ideal when you're trying to reverse insulin resistance, but Again, it's a healthy whole plant food. There's plenty of research showing that these foods are disease protective, including things like tofu, even a little more processed. There's plenty of research. We're just saying if you want to optimize your insulin sensitivity, just limit those. Don't just sit down as much as you want. Then things like bread. So Ezekiel bread, it's a little bit more processed, a little bit more calorie dense. Things like pasta. Pasta, it's a little bit more processed. You can get brown rice pasta. You can get chickpea pasta. Those are great. Eat them. But it's just ideal to eat brown rice or chickpeas. And then we also have things like fermented food. Fermented foods in the yellow light category, and that's because it's good, it's healthy, but it's high in sodium. So just be careful, that's problematic for people living with diabetes. Now the red light category, just minimize or limit completely. Just avoid them if you can. These are all animal products, these are oils, and these are processed foods. So there's a lot of vegan products out there that are just processed. They're higher in fat, they got a lot of added ingredients, added oils, preservatives, they're not good. So that's our simple system. Simple answer to your question, what do you do to get started? Eat as much green light food as you can for breakfast. I like that. Any, and uh, that's probably the same answer, any tips for convincing a type 1 diabetic, in brackets my boyfriend, to go vegan? Oh well, to go vegan. Mm. Okay, so I do have a, a fun tip there, a little game that could be played. So. I think the best place to start, there's a lot of different tactics and techniques that could be used, but the best place to start is make sure you're living, you're living it, you're doing it, you're being the example. So this woman could potentially follow the diet very well and maybe start pricking herself. Maybe just like test her blood glucose, just like her boyfriend is doing, and just kind of participate and, and just lead by example. And just maybe open up conversation, hey, will you watch this video with me? And just, but most importantly, do it. You can't be like eating things that they're not supposed to eat on the side. Like, oh, you do it, but I don't have to do it because I don't have mm -hmm. diabetes. Like, that's not going to work. So that's step one. I think she's already vegan. That's why she's okay. asking. Perfect. So um, in that case, the next thing is... I think a non-vegan wouldn't ask like... Well, okay. Okay. I, get, <laughs> I, I, I see what you're saying. But is she like focusing on the health aspect? Low-fat, plant-based, whole food. Like that's the stuff that's going to get him the best results. So mm -hmm. we don't know. But, yeah. okay, good point. Assuming she's doing that, it's just try and ask, hey, will you watch this movie with me? Mm -hmm. And it, it truly is the hardest part. It's the hardest part of doing this lifestyle, seeing the people you love not get it the same mm -hmm. way you get it. Yeah. That's why it all comes down, leading by example, yeah. and just focus on you. Yeah. And then um, everyone is on their own journey and yeah. takes their own time and they just need the spark and it's always something else. So um, if they have questions, gladly be open and share. Uh, but when you try to, to, to force them or anything, then you're just against a wall yeah. and uh, they're even more 
put off right. to not do it. For sure. So uh, I see that like I'm vegan and you brought it, you, you're even vegan for, I cannot believe uh, before, just crazy long. Anyway, I'm vegan for five years and uh, I see it like friends now who really doubted me at the beginning now becoming yeah. vegan like over yeah, the last years. Your results years, speak for themselves. Nobody's going to argue <laughs> with this transformation. And over the years, my mother uh, turned vegan, my brother turned yeah. vegan and then just... Uh, where at the beginning, yeah. it seemed like, oh, never ever, but totally. uh, let me assure you, if you're a new vegan, they just need a time. Patience. And yeah, just focus on you, that you thrive on it, that you lead by example, yeah. and then they're like, wow, she looks great, she's doing great, mm -hmm. but I have all these myths and stereotypes, and inform yourself. That is the best thing yeah. you can do. Inform yourself and lead by example, sure. because coming well with all yeah. the myths and stereotypes, and you can debunk yeah. them left and, I, and right. I will add, like, if, you, if somebody wanted to get more aggressive than just being patient, the thing about a person living with type 1 diabetes is you could encourage them to just do a challenge. Be like, hey, will you do this challenge with me? And educate them on, look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to eat way more carbohydrate. You're going to need less insulin. You're likely going to feel better. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you know, maybe just make it a game. Like, hey, you, your 24-hour insulin sensitivity ratio is this, whatever it is. Maybe it's 5 to 1, 8 to 1 or something. If we do this challenge for 14 days and you see your sensitivity ratio double, will you keep doing it or something? Maybe you could. Yeah, yeah just do it. Just for the yeah, sake, yeah. just for, for sure. the experience. Yeah, and yeah. Even make it really tasty for them that I will cook for yes. you and you make these delicious. That's a huge point, right? That's things, a big yeah. point is trying to remind people how good it can taste mm -hmm. and trying to bring in a variety yeah. of different meals because maybe her boyfriend doesn't like this yeah. pad thai or whatever. Uh, maybe they're gonna like you know the risotto or something. You know, try yeah. something different. But uh, making whole grain pancakes with berries and whole grain pasta and lots of veggies yeah. and a good sauce. And you're like, what? What I could eat this every day? Yeah. I'm I'm so so. Uh, yeah, food is a big one. Making it tasty. Um, <clears throat> have you felt any chance uh, changes since you stopped consuming dairy and meat products? Yes, absolutely. I have improved my insulin sensitivity. I uh, have way more energy. When I was a teenager, I had chronic allergies. I took Claritin D and Nasonex year round and still got sick every year. I had plantar fasciitis, so I wore these big blue boots at night to stretch my feet. And I had chronic acne. I took all the acne medications you can imagine. The pills, they go to the office, they do microdermal abrasion treatments, they did laser treatments, they did all this stuff, and it didn't improve. I ended up taking Accutane which is one of the most serious drugs you can take for acne. Your parents have to sign a waiver because people have committed suicide and gotten depressed on that medication. It's terrible. But I took it anyways as a last resort. And now, after I've gotten rid of meat and dairy and animal products and eat low-fat plant-based whole foods, my skin has cleared up dramatically. I don't use any allergy medications. I don't get sick. I have no more plantar fasciitis, no more pain in my feet. And I feel great. Wow. <laughs> That is great. For acne, the same goes for me. Yeah. Since I did Sherry, my acne just went mostly away. Yeah. Um, but wow, um, that is great to hear. Um, uh, how do you feel about people saying diabetics need to eat low carb? Uh, Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me I do mean, this! It's yeah, exactly. Like let's let's have a conversation. You know, it's it's disappointing uh, because again, there's so much research showing that when people follow a low-fat diet, they improve their insulin sensitivity. I mean, this dates back to the 1920s. Researchers showing increased carbohydrate consumption, reduce medication needs, improve insulin sensitivity. It's just repeated over and over again. So. To me, it's just like, let's look at the science. Let's have a conversation. And again, I know it's confusing because there's so many great results. You go on the internet, you can't deny people who've done a low-carbohydrate or ketogenic diet and gotten off their oral diabetes medications. They lost 100 pounds. Their A1C is in a non-diabetic range. Like, how can you argue with that? Like, it, it is what it is. It's great results. But the problem here is that they haven't actually solve the root cause of type 2 diabetes in that example okay so what they are doing is they are avoiding carbohydrate rich foods that's what they're doing following a low carbohydrate ketogenic diet avoiding carbohydrate foods 
This is the same thing as if, imagine you're a bad driver. You get in car accidents all the time. You get speeding tickets all the time. And we take away your license. So you don't drive anymore. You don't get in accidents anymore. You don't get speeding tickets anymore. Because we've taken away your license, not because we solved the problem. It's just the same thing on the low-carb diet. If somebody tries to eat a banana, they try and eat blueberries, if they try and eat a potato, a, a normal portion of beans or rice, or if they did an official oral glucose to tolerance test, they would fail. They would show up as a diabetic because they haven't solved insulin resistance. They're just avoiding carbohydrate-rich foods. So they have not reversed the actual disease process. That's what's happening in this low-carb world. That's where this confusion is. And, you know, the longest-lived people on the planet eat carbohydrate-rich foods. There is no example of a healthy, long-lived society that avoided carbohydrate-rich foods. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, it's not about treating the symptoms, but going to the root. Yes. And, um, well said. Does diabetes affect his sexual life, someone asks. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I would say the answer is really no. It only would if you sort of let it because, you know, I wear a continuous glucose monitor. So I have like this little patch right here, which podcast people can't see, but it, it's a... It looks cool. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, somebody or... <laughs> well, you know, what is it? It's a, this is a continuous glucose monitor. So it sends my blood glucose to my phone. Huh. Every five minutes. So you can always check. I can always check. How convenient. And so, yeah, the... Diabetes treatment and, you know, tools have improved dramatically mm -hmm. in the past 10 years or so. So the only way it could is if you like, if you let it like, oh, you know, and be, you know, self-conscious or something, or if yeah. you're wearing an insulin pump, you know, but yeah. other than that, it's just, it doesn't matter. That's good to hear. <clears throat> what motivates you to stay positive? Um, I think I just have that natural disposition, but I also... Uh, by design, sort of put in my head inspiring people, positive people. Like I'm listening to Gary Vee all the time or just general podcasts or music that's uplifting. Like, I just surround myself with positive people. I, I don't, and even if it's not like in person, like when I'm listening to Gary Vee, it's like I'm still hanging out with Gary Vee, you know, but, um, but you know, we're not doing it in person, but it doesn't matter. You get that energy mm -hmm. through the device. So I think it's just a choice. And I just think that's in all of life. You really get to choose, like, whatever you want. Like, if I wanted to be, you know, less ambitious and not run a company and do that stuff, then I could start spending my time around, like, you know, very, like, like monks or something. You know what I mean? Like, I could start tuning into, like, that culture, that world, and I would become that. I would change. I would maybe not want to work as hard. Maybe I would spend more time just hanging out and chilling and doing spiritual things or whatever like it's none of it's good bad right or wrong but it's legit a choice like if you want to be more positive hang around and be around more positive people and i also think diet is a big part like what you're feeling yourself with is going to impact just how you see the world how you feel and you know plant-based foods are i think high vibe foods for sure did you grow up here in uh, los angeles i grew up in minnesota i lived there for 14 years And then I moved to Florida for high school and college. And then I came here to launch Forks Over Knives in 2010. And you haven't left since? And I have lived in the same building. Since then? Since the day I moved here. I remember it was right before Christmas, 2010. I drove out here. And I remember that I arrived on a Wednesday. And there was a, there was a rainbow. <laughs> uh, and I went to the Wednesday farmer's market. And I love it here. I can see that. It's, yeah. it's a super nice apartment. It's the perfect location. Like often around that you find shitty things or just crazy expensive things you could never buy. But this is just a decent minimalist apartment which is clean, which is super bright. And um, Bright is the key word. I kid you not, man. Like if I'm working on my computer in my room, which mm -hmm. my room gets good light, but it's a little bit darker because there's a tree covering the windows, I literally don't feel the same. I come out here, I sit mm -hmm. at my table, and I have this bright light coming in. I feel better. I work differently. My mm -hmm. mind is different. Like, the sun and natural light is such a game changer. Yeah. I can't imagine working in an office all day with no windows. 
Me neither. I, like I could, I just couldn't do it. Didn't, yeah, and uh, I have to quit. Natural for me, natural lighting. Fortunately, is also like mandatory because that's the best for filming, yeah. taking pictures, mm -hmm. just doing social media. So I need good lighting, and it's just uh, it's the best light and makes us feel good. Yeah. But what is even better, spending time outside is just. Yes. I watched a video recently. Someone. Um, spending a week in virtual reality he put the goggles on and as a as an experience like he did everything in the virtual reality because there nowadays tons of apps what you could do there wow. and he just spent uh, like he got his exercise in that way he watched movies he like you have your desktop even in your virtual reality wow. like you could do your emails and everything and a week and then when he stopped and then we, he went outside he was like close to crying he's like, because in virtual reality he was like in beautiful nature sure. and he meditated and did all that but he said that outside you cannot describe it but this feeling you wow. get and it is that's a fascinating experiment like i don't have a day where i don't go outside and often if i have no things i need to do outside and i just go like for a walk or because it's just it's just the best feeling yeah so and you're so blessed los angeles like because in Germany in the winter you just you want to be outside but you don't want to be outside sure. because that's cold and rainy and absolutely uh, yeah, anyway I'm yeah. I'm ranting here anyway we're coming to an end um, and I have three questions I always ask my um, podcast guests which are yeah. are you ready I'm ready what scares you what scares me man I would say honestly the growing confusion uh, around ketogenic diets i kid you not I like you. you go look on amazon the top 100 books of you know all books and you see how many of the nutrition books are keto books and it's crazy i mean again these these people are getting short-term benefits but when you look at the research to see what's going on in the microbiome and some of the long-term issues that they are setting themselves up with i mean some of them might not be reversible and this is happening at ridiculous rates it's it's scary yeah but i think this is like a true trend yeah. Like as we've seen it a lot of with the paleo diet, like it was so big, but now, hmm, sure. like in, in, in Germany, we had the biggest paleo convention in Europe and it's not happening anymore because there really? was no demand. Wow, and the vegan convention, it, it got bigger and bigger each year. It's That's huge. Amazing. It's now in basically every city. It's called the veggie world. It's huge. The paleo convention it died. And because the thing about these things like paleo, low carb, keto, they don't work long term. Yeah. So people hop on them and then they lose weight for a bit, but then they feel shitty, they don't have energy and they crave like oats, carbs, fruits, and then they go off it. Yeah. You go plant-based, you reverse your type two diabetes. You're like, what the fuck? I'm off all my medicine. I feel great. No one told me about it. Not only will you stay plant-based, you will tell your family, your friends. That's why veganism is exploding. Yeah. It's such an important point and I like to talk about it because there is no benefit that one can get from following a ketogenic diet, particularly for diabetes health, that you can't also get from a low-fat plant-based whole food diet. Like there's nothing. Like people think, oh wow, I'm getting this amazing benefit, but if I ate carbohydrates, my blood glucose would spike, I would gain weight. Like the misinformation is insane. So anything you think you can accomplish during that ketogenic diet, you can accomplish by eating foods that you love, comfort foods like Dr. John McDougall will call them, as much as you want. And you have all these long-lived societies backing this up. And it's just, there's also an element of logic. Just the sheer nutrient density of getting to eat the green light foods, fruits, starchy vegetables, legumes, intact whole grains, they're just so nutrient dense. And then the greens, non-starchy vegetables like bell peppers and things like carrots and stuff like that, they're just so nutrient dense. And a keto diet, like literally there's specific diabetes diets where they say zero fruit and things like Ugh. bell peppers are limited because Ugh. they're too high in carbohydrate. A bell pepper? It, it's That's what scares me. Yeah. But I'm really optimistic as yes. I just explained. Good. Because... That's like we're so attracted. Like I see a fruit rack and I'm like, oh, that's, that's so we're attracted to eat that. I did one day eating a keto vegan diet for a YouTube video. It was horrible. I'm like, okay, I ate a lot of fat for breakfast. Right. I'm done with fat. I don't want to eat any fat yeah. anymore. I want to eat my nice cream and that stuff I crave, yeah, like porridge. Sure. Yeah. No, no, carbs are out. Like, okay, one day I went through like a warrior. But 
another day, a month. Uh, it's just in, uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm really sure. optimistic. Um, best advice you've ever received? Okay, the best advice I've ever received was uh, basically from a book. It's called Nine, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And this book, this you know, way of looking at life, has had the biggest impact on my life, even beyond nutrition and food. And basically there's this, this one principle in the book, which is that like everybody's doing something to meet a need in any given situation. And when you can see behind, like you can understand why they did what they did and come at it from a place of compassion, like there, there really isn't like right and wrong. Like, and that way of looking at life and just always trying to understand things from somebody else's perspective has really just led me to live a, a happy, joyous life. Like, I just genuinely don't have any enemies. Like, mm-hmm. Even even the, the keto people, like yeah. the type one world, like some of these people I'm friends with, like I know where they're coming from. I respect them. We have so much in common, mm-hmm. but you know, we're not like, we're not enemies. Like we're friends. Like yeah. there's this one guy, Drew, Drew's Daily Dose, Drew Harrisburg. He's just a super nice guy. And I remember he's recently switched over from a ketogenic diet to a plant-based diet. And he's, there's articles written about him. He's a, a model. He's a musician. Super cool guy. Very well known in Australia. And I remember many, many years ago, we just connected through, through Instagram, through a friend, and he was hardcore keto. But we were still, we were like friends. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, having, you know, planting that seed and being like, hey, like, here's what's possible. Eventually, down the road, opened up, you know, uh, a transformation for him. He learned a lot of new things along the way that helped spur him to do it. But I don't know. It's just this thing of like always seeing where people are coming from has been the best advice that has had a huge impact on my life. That's great. And you become so much less judgmental. 100%. And I do the same because I was there a bit like, a bit judgmental, like where vegans quickly get. But then I was like, where did I come from? I yeah. ate animal products most of my life and I just haven't had the information. I And I feel like everyone is compassionate deep down. They just don't know. And sure. I, I didn't know. It doesn't mean I was a bad yeah. person. So I see where everyone is coming from. I just know, oh, they don't have these informations sure. yet. Uh, what do we have in comments? This and that. Is you open-minded? And um, that's a great advice. And on that note, I mean, I always think sometimes, you know, there are so many things that I know I could do better. Like I have the education. I have the information. But I still have to have compassion for myself that, you know what, maybe I'm just not ready to make that change or do that. And that happens to a lot of people. They learn about veganism. They see forks over knives. They see cowspiracy. They learn the stuff. But for whatever reason, they still go to the grocery store the next day and they mm-hmm. buy a pint of milk. That's okay. I, I have compassion for them. I understand from them. There's no judgment. Like, I am doing the same thing in other areas of my life. And I'm just not ready. I mean, it's, and again, like, it's always a different scale of difficulty. So for us, it's super easy to go to the grocery store and make plant-based decisions it's just very easy but for them for whatever reason it's just not and for me you know i started learning about clothing like i watched some a movie a documentary i forget the title but it was showing how you know all the clothing we buy puma nike you know h&m whatever like the whole system of how it gets to us and why it's so cheap and you see that and you're like oh man like i should really never buy something from that company again but I gotta be honest, even though I have that education, mm-hmm. I, I gotta buy a new pair of tennis shoes. Like, it's probably gonna be a pair of Nikes. I don't know how to get, how to easily get out of that system. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, I don't know. There's just a, yeah. million, a million examples of how we are, nobody's perfect. Who am I to judge yeah. in a situation? Just do the best I can and, and give information and, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great advice. Always, where do they come from? Because often, like, oh, she's a mother, she ha- has like, uh, um, um, single parent she has three kids she also has uh, debts and so many bills and she has so many things to struggle with so that's her priorities to feed her kids and then you come with that that's like not as high so sure. even so, so she knows she's just oh I'm just so see where people come from and like what you said with closing that's a great example like for me it was with plastic At the beginning I was like oh, I'm already doing so much I don't need to do more but then I inform myself more and more and how, how fucked up plastic yes. is and then I re- reduced it and recently like today and yesterday I made two more posts about plastic where, that's why I love doing what I do on Instagram the most because I learned the most yeah. and I was like 
fuck, I really want to reduce plastic as much as possible. And now I don't have these excuses like, oh, like, I, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, for uh, sure. I, th that was a good example okay. with clothing and that's for me with yeah. plastic. Like I didn't, I, I wasn't aware of the big impact as much. I knew a bit, that's why I reduced a bit, but the more I see of the impact, the more I want to reduce yeah, it. For sure. And um, like the amount of knowledge we have, that's just huge. Yeah. And when people just have very little, they make just baby steps. And we're like, how can you not, because we have so much more input so much more education on that yeah. anyways i'm rambling by the here. way i love your instagram posts i mean <laughs> say that out there i'm sure all the people listening to this uh, also appreciate them but just thank you and i got verified today which awesome. makes me super happy <laughs> okay the last question what is the future of veganism oh man okay it's a really good question and i want to end on a positive note okay <laughs> Okay, I want to I want to say another thing that, another thing that scares me is that we are going down a path of t when it comes to the dietary aspect too much of this processed stuff and vegans are going to get s same diseases that you know regular standard american diet people are are getting. I think that's going to happen. I think it's already happening and so the world of vegan there's a lot of money being poured into this industry of plant-based foods there's a lot of new products being made and they are co-opting the science so they're saying they're putting on their packages they're putting on their websites they're selling it as this is a plant-based food and there's all plant-based diets reduce your risk of heart disease and reverse type 2 diabetes they're co-opting that science to sell a product that is not that healthy it's higher in fat it's processed i mean there's this company called uh i forget the name of it it's like right rice or something like that and i got a hit with uh, facebook ads from this company and they're literally trying to sell how they've improved rice how they're, they're like making this new version of rice with higher protein mm -hmm. and added nutrients and this is ridiculous we aren't rice is perfect and it's cheap and it's available it doesn't need to be packaged and added to and sold for more money it's just it's complete garbage and people are getting sold on this. And I think if we keep heading in that direction and there isn't some sort of shift in recognition of, yeah, these are better for the environments and for animals, but this is not a, the best decision for health. And there are some, some research that indicates that um, some of these processed vegan diets could be worse than an omnivorous diet for health. And that's, that's scary to me. So I hope I want to do everything I can that the future of veganism is an emphasis on healthy whole foods and affordable foods and the fact that this stuff is it's just available. Beans, rice, potatoes, these foods are cheap, they're available, we don't need to improve upon them. Like, let's focus on that. So I, I hope that it becomes, you know, veganism has this move towards health. And again, I know there's like, it's, just a, it's a hot topic. You know, you have the the animal rights people who are just so adamant about their work and then you have you know the nutrition people who are you know talking you know plant-based often sometimes you know aren't really coming from the animal rights perspective but and they kind of butt heads a little bit but man like we got to get on the same page and understand that being healthy is important like humans are animals as well and and you know i don't know i just want to <laughs> Less celebration of vegan donuts and, and that stuff and yeah. more of like, let's go to the farmer's market. Let's get creative with recipes and add spices and, and yeah. like, let's be healthy and active and fit. That's part of the reason I love so much about what you're doing it's because you are showing like health and fitness and muscle gain. Like your before and after pictures are priceless. Like it's such a big deal. And I know it's like a lot of hard work. Because, you know, muscle is built in the gym. Like, it's built with hard work. And I just really commend what you're doing. So I hope that the future is more of what you're doing. Yeah, health is huge. That's why I focus on health on, yeah. on uh, Instagram. Because that's how you also catch the most people. And it just makes so much sense. Just eat the, the whole foods. It's yeah. so simple. It's so good for you. You feel amazing. And how we feel every moment is, is all we have. When we look at our watch, it's always now, 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 now. How we feel in the moment is all we have. And when we feel good... We just automatically are happier, we're more active, we're more, follow, have more thrive doing things, yeah. following our passions, this and that, so, and while preventing disease, doing all the other things, so, 
Um, and it has, uh, yeah, anyway, you said it beautifully. Sure. Uh, but you're optimistic, are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm optimistic, bro, because of people like you. And honestly, because of Instagram, I think uh, in platforms like Instagram and YouTube have been game-changing. Yeah. And That's how I went vegan. Yeah. And, and I, I just love how consumers and culture in general is moving towards higher education. Like your Instagram platform being so educational, so, so scientific, has shown the evolution of Instagram. It used to be just pretty food pictures. And now it's evidence-based, scientific information, you know, citing studies, and then also showing how the food is beautiful. Like that's, that's the future and the consumer is much more savvy and a lot of them like to read primary research and that makes me excited because the research is not confusing. The marketing, the books, yeah. and all that stuff, there's all like that confuses. But when you actually read the papers and somebody gets into that, it's very clear. Amen, brother. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with me that we redid it. But I think it turned out beautifully and even better because Absolutely. the first part, because you're just so full of knowledge on this topic, and it even at the beginning, the one we didn't record, it got a bit too confusing even sure, for me. Sure. So uh, the second time you kept it really simple. So um, that's great. And if you want to know more, then masteringdiabetes.com uh, or... Um, .org. At .org? Yes. .org. Yeah. Um, mindful... Oh, what's yeah. your Instagram? Mindful Who? Diabetic Robbie. Mindful Diabetic But we also Robbie. have at Mastering Diabetes on Instagram, so check that out. Yeah. On YouTube, we're, we're active. Yeah. Check out that video, Insulin Resistance Diet. Do not want to miss it. It's really good. And watch out for the podcast because I'm being on their podcast. That's soon. right. And Find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and check out Ferdinand's episode coming real soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, peace out.